Today, we're looking at these values. There's a group of values straight from the Bible that we love and God has really been highlighting to us as a family. And today, we're going to look at this value of being intentional about diversity. Intentional about diversity. Let me just read this value together. We work hard to break down every division and bring together those who are separated by age, ethnicity, language, culture, economic status, class, education, and gender. Why? Why do we do this? In this way, we display God's new humanity in Christ. Let me read to you from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 11. This is the often entitled a triumphal entry. Jesus is walking into Jerusalem. You remember the crowds are gathering. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the king. And the, and the children are shouting. People are laying down palm branches and so on. You'll know that story. Verse 15 of uh, chapter 11 of Mark. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. If you read John's account of this, it says he made a whip out of, out of cords. He got some rope, made it into a whip, and he drove them out. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, by the way, do you notice his teaching here? This is teaching, okay? Driving out, turning over tables, whipping people as he taught them. He said, it is not written, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this, began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When the evening came, they went out of the city. Lord, we thank you already through the worship. We've been reminded of your heart towards us. Every single one of us. We even heard prophetically that, that word, there's not one who's too far off. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. You didn't just come for a particular person or a particular group. Lord, your heart is for us all. And I pray today, Lord, that as we look at this great, great value that displays your heart, would you speak to us? Would you provoke us? Lord, give us ears that are open and eyes that are open. Lord, where our hearts need to be changed, where our minds need to be changed, we say, Holy Spirit, come and work among us. Come and touch us. Come and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Jesus displays a righteous anger. When he sees what's going on in the so-called outer courts of the temple, What he does is he takes up this prophetic cry in the heart of God by quoting Isaiah 56. And we'll come to Isaiah 56 in just a moment. But this great cry, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. 
Now, whether we realize it or not, unless you were born a Jew today, I don't know every member of the church very well, but I don't think there are many of us who are Jews here. But unless you were born as a Jew, this is a really, really important statement for every one of us here today. Just going to put up on the screen Ephesians chapter 2, but just to, to paraphrase it, if you like, the first few verses of Ephesians 2, it's easy for us to forget that when we were born again, before we were born again, the Bible describes us, one of the descriptions is as Gentiles, outsiders, the uncircumcised, okay? Outside, unclean, not chosen, no access. That was our position. But more than that, we were born into sin. Sin separates. Separates man from man, man from woman, uh, man from creation, man from God's. Sin separates us from Christ. Paul says we were excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants, the lasting agreements of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That's our position. Outsiders. Couldn't come in. No access. Literally no access. Just to say, there was great hatred and division in Jesus' time, in Paul's time, between Jews and Gentiles. Do you know, a Jewish family would even sometimes conduct a funeral if one of their family members married a Gentile. They would conduct a funeral. You're dead. You're dead to us. You're no longer part of us. And of course, many of you will have heard uh, that archaeologists and so on have discovered that in Herod's time, the temple that Herod built, there was a physical wall that was built. A physical wall excluding the Gentiles. They could see the temple. They could come to some, uh, you know, the outside, but they could not access it. They had to worship from afar. There were 19 steps up to a higher level that the Jews could go up to and they could go in. But the Gentiles and outsiders and foreigners, they couldn't. There was a thick wall that was there dividing And there were signs on that wall in Greek and Latin, which have actually been found in archaeological digs. And it says, trespassers will be executed. I love the Bible. There's some great buts in the Bible. We should do a series sometime on the buts of the Bible. Okay? Ephesians 2.13. But now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. Absolutely, Fion, we clap. Absolutely, we clap about that. You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know, one of those things, I don't know if you've ever been to a concert or event, but you get to wear a badge and it says, access all areas. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on. Come on. I've got a cold. You're going to pull it out of me today. Come on. Access all areas. Four, verse 14, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh 
the law with its commands and regulations. Jesus came in humanity, in very nature, God, but he took on human uh, nature. We've talked about that in recent weeks. Philippians chapter 2. He took it upon himself in his own body. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. Some translations, some versions say one new, one new man. But it, it's one new humanity. It's not talking about male and female. There. It's talking about the whole people. One new humanity out of the two, thus making per- peace. And in one body, his own body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So the penalty was death. He died. And so death has been put to death. Put to death their hostility. He came and preached to you who were far away. And peace to those who were near. He's speaking to the Jews, the people of God. He's, the message was for all. For through him, verse 18, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We have access to the Father, access all areas. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household. You're not on the outside. You're not looking in. You're not thinking, oh, is there a morsel? Is there a tidbit that's going to come my way? No, you're welcomed in. Come in. Come and sit at the table. You're in God's family. It's built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building. So you know that in Peter, it talks about being spiritual stones. talks about being this temple. The whole building rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Each of us building blocks. In him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We often say it, this, we know this type of building is known as a church, but the reality is if we went down to the front today, if we went out to a field today, that is where church is because you would be there. So yes, it is a church building, we recognize that, but this is not a church because of the building, it's because of you. Because of the people. So if you go to the mountains of Lesotho and, and you're out in the open air, the church gathers. The people Gather to be church. Whoever you are. So you are members of his household built on the foundation of the apostle. In him the whole building joined together and rises to become a holy temple. In him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Hallelujah. Whoever you are. Whoever you are, foreigners, Gentiles, black, white, young, old, rich, poor, male, female, slave or free, we all have a place in God's house. We all have a place in God's family, God's house. It's very good news. Some of you are convinced, some of you are still thinking about it. Anyway, we have a place in God's house. Whoever we are, wherever we come from, whatever our nation, whatever our language, whatever our background, God has made a way through the Lord Jesus Christ for us to know him and to be at home with him. To have a living relationship with him, one that will last forever. It's very good news. It should ignite a deep joy within us. So I want to dig in just a bit deeper 
to these words of Jesus? What's the context of these words in Isaiah that he quotes? Just turn with me to Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56. This is the great, great book, Isaiah. Um, the prophet Isaiah, and he's declaring the heart and the nature of God. Verse 3, Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship him, who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations." The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Great truth right there in Old Testament. Isaiah declaring the heart of God, the so-called foreigner and eunuch, there will be a place. A place for my name uh, and a name and a home in my presence. And it's not just for a short while. It's not just there for a couple of years. It's eternal. It's lasting. It's there forever. God says, I'm committed to bringing them in. Committed to bringing them in. And I want us to understand today, this is not just tucked in at the back as an afterthought. But I will give them joy in my house of prayer. There's a genuine place. One of the things that I was struck by when I very first went out to South Africa and uh, Steve Oliver was carrying a vision for this one new humanity in Christ. One of the things they'd begun to do was to gather children from different parts of the town. Some of these children were from the, the poorest of poor. They were living in tin shacks. Some of them were from the farms. Some of them uh, were from different backgrounds. But when they came together, you could not tell who was from where. It was very intentional about that. Sometimes we say, oh, why have they got to wear uniforms? They can't afford to have these uniforms. They would go out of their way as a church to make sure that every child had a uniform. didn't matter whether they could afford it or not because they were together. There was no difference about them. He was in a context at that point where the white people would meet at Marty, Marty Lott's Hall. Marty Lott's was some famous uh, person, Afrikaans person. And they would meet at the top of the town in, uh, in a hall. And down at the bottom of the town, uh, in what was actually called the chicken shed, it was a great big tin warehouse, that was where the Sasutu, Basutu people would meet. And so the white, the white people mainly, although there were uh, some uh, Africans, Basutu people, meeting in Marty Lots, and, and one or two white people would go to the chicken shed service, and God began to speak to Steve about one new man, one new humanity. 
And he began to preach this and said, we're going to come together as a church. I want to ask you who you think was the majority of the church that left when he preached that sermon. But God began to speak. And I remember going there and seeing this this congregation of people. Backgrounds, different backgrounds, different colors, different ages and stages. And my heart just was warmed and my heart was arrested. This one new humanity. I've completely gone off piste. I have no idea where I'm. Um, I'm committed to bringing them in, says the Lord. And not just to be tucked in at the back, but giving them joy in my house. Sacrifices will be accepted by, by, the, uh, by me. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's so important for us to know and understand this. There are no limitations to the love and the mercy of God. He accepts. More than that, he goes after those who are cast out. I think we need to understand the heart of God. There is a bias, I believe, in the heart of God. He goes after, he goes towards those who are outside. Those who are broken. Those who are cast out. Those who are on the margins. I believe there is a bias in the heart of God. In that way. Now, you can talk to me about that afterwards. But as you look through the whole tenor of scriptures, you read through scripture, you can see how so often he goes towards, he uses In his purposes, those who others would go, really? You used her? Do you know who she is? Yes, I know who she is. I'm going to display my heart through her. Now here in Isaiah, he talks about foreigners and eunuchs. Foreigners were non-Jews, Gentiles, people of other races and nations, described as outsiders, outside of the covenant of God that he'd made with Abraham. But God clearly says they will be brought in. They will have a place. They will be filled with joy. just want to stop here for a moment. This word eunuch is an unusual word. We don't use it very much today. You don't know it. Some of you may never have heard of it. Although if you remember the story of Philip, he met the Ethiopian eunuch. The reason for uh, the, the Ethiopian being a eunuch was he was very close to the queen. You remember, he was the bookkeeper of the queen. Eunuchs represent those physically damaged and mutilated. It was an ancient practice. Men would be castrated. They would have their sexual organs removed so that they could guard women's living areas in the eastern court, particularly harems and so on. They were able to be there. And of course, the Ethiopian eunuch was the bookkeeper to the queen. So he would spend a lot of time with the queen. So he was a eunuch. Because of this, though, because of this mutilation, they were considered to be outcasts, outside, damaged, disqualified, particularly by the religious leaders of God's people. Nameless ones, if you like. Nameless, not least, because, of course, they couldn't be fruitful. They couldn't, uh, as every person created by God, to be fruitful. Having children is part of the display of God's grace and multiplication on the earth right there in Genesis chapter 1. They're not able to, to do that, of course. And so they don't have children to carry on their name. Their name is cut off. But God 
speaks directly into that kind of person. Now, you may feel that way at times. You may feel, there's nothing much to my life. My life is not coming to anything. I want to say God speaks to you today. You may be surprised. There are people in the world, many people in the world today, who say, I don't really know who I am. I I don't know my real name. I have this name, but actually I don't know my real name. I'm not exactly sure where I was born. I've met many, has had the privilege of traveling to other nations. But there are many people in the world today, they don't quite know where they were born. They don't know what their birthday actually is. They've made one up. They've often just taken on a name to be helpful in society. I don't have a birth certificate. And if people don't have a birth certificate, of course, it's very difficult for them to get a passport. But to all of those kinds of people and and, and many others like that, God says, you have a place in my home. You're welcome. You can come in. More than that, I will give you a special name. I will give you a name. I will give within my temple, as it were, within my presence, because the temple speaks of the presence of God, I will give you a place within my heart. And as it were, on that temple there will be a plaque, a memorial name, and your name will be on it. I'll give you a name. Your name will be on it, and it will not be taken away. It will not be taken down. Everlasting name that will endure forever. Through the prophet Isaiah, God is clearly declaring his salvation includes everyone. And those who are far off will be brought near. Hallelujah. Saving grace reaches out, reaches to the furthest place and the furthest person, to the foreigner, to the physically mutilated, to the Gentiles, to you and to me. No one is excluded from salvation because of race, nationality, color, economic condition or disability. Salvation is available to all who are ready to trust in and serve the Almighty God. Now, of course, Jesus knew this. He knew why he'd come. He'd come to seek and to save that which was lost. He makes it very plain, doesn't he, to the disciples as he commissions them. Matthew chapter 28, he says, doesn't he, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of Jews. Is that what he said? Therefore, go and make disciples of white, middle-class English people. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Jesus knew God's heart was for all nations. Yes, he had a special people. There was a chosen people. But God's heart is for all nations. This is why such a righteous anger rises up in Jesus when he comes. In fact, you'll notice, if I didn't read it, a couple of verses before, they got there early in the evening. And so he popped into the temple and he saw something. Jesus has a timing, there's something, but he saw maybe the tables were all laid out the night before, ready, and he had a feeling, he knew what it was going to look like in the morning. He'd seen it. And there's something that's brooding, maybe through the night as he 
talked with the Father as he, he's reminded again of the Father's heart for all the nations. And so in the morning, he goes in there. It's full of people buying and selling, changing money, pretending to be going about a life of worship. But this is, this is part of the temple worship. You know, these doves are for sacrifice and so on and so forth. Um, actually, some of you will know that you couldn't spend your regular money. You had to take it to the temple and buy temple money to do temple things. And of course, there was an exchange rate. Okay, this is all the things that were going on there. It was selfish profiteering, masquerading as worship. And what it did was it created both a physical and a spiritual barrier. Open access to God and his presence had been cut off to those who actually most needed it. If you're not yet a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to say you're so welcome here. I pray that you don't experience barriers as you come in. It's my heart. I think we want to keep looking at what that means for us. I'll come back to that in just a second. But I want to tell you that if you're not yet a follower of the Lord Jesus, there's an incredible gift that is open to you today. It's called salvation. It's the gift of God of forgiveness and the gift of God of eternal life for all those who will repent, turn of their sin and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord. It's open to everyone. And my heart would be that there would be no barrier within me or this church that would stop you from knowing about that amazing, astonishing gift. But I want to say, as true as that is, it's not just a declaration that then leaves us isolated and separated from God. Oh yeah, I, I do know that my sins are forgiven, but I'm still an outsider. I'm still far off. No, I don't believe that that's the place, the position for any one of us. I believe, as Paul was uh, bringing us into last week with that value of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit longs to do is to bring us into a deep and wonderful relationship with our Father and our Creator. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit that does that. It's not just a, a knowledge, well, my sin is forgiven and uh, I just sit here waiting in my corner. No, you're now brought in to family, brought in to relationship with your Father and your Creator. Jesus Christ, as you, yes, as your Savior, but also as your brother. The Holy Spirit as your comforter, your support, your wisdom, your power, your enabler. Two-way communication going on. Not just far off, well, my sin's been forgiven, but they get to, to worship and fellowship and have a relationship, but I'm over here. No, the Holy Spirit says, come in. I want to make a way for you to have a home and have a name and have a place and have relationship with your Creator. Somebody, somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> yes, Lord. Jesus' time, this outer court, was a, a sign don't know that Herod was the greatest leader uh, in his day, but there was something that he recognized that an outer court needed to be created. It was a part of the prophetic nature of God's heart that all could have access. They could at least come in at a level, and Jesus recognizes that barriers have been put up. 
It's a place of prayer for all nations, a place where nations could come and find hope and help and strength and blessing. And when Jesus comes, he finds God's house is being used in a totally different way. Now, I don't want us to get fixated on a building and how a building gets used. I want us to talk about who we are as a body of people. Okay, don't worry too much about how buildings get used. We want to honor history, but it's about making access and, 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 and being a people who are open and welcoming in. So actually, we need to just apply a few things as we finish. I want to bring some application for the last few moments. What do we learn from these truths? What do we take away What do we work this out in the coming week? Firstly, nothing can separate us from the love and salvation that the Father holds out to us. Want us to hear that? The door of God's house is open to everyone. Whatever our background, as we heard that word, whether we think that there's been something in our lives that can never be forgiven, whatever our background, whatever our past, whatever our culture, whatever our nationality, the door through the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Father, is open. Therefore, we must not put up barriers to people that God does not put up. We must not put up barriers to people that God does not put up. Now, that could come in the form of legalism. Well, yeah, it's great that you're interested in Christianity. Now, to be a Christian, you need to do this, 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 and this, and then God will accept you. That's called legalism. Yes, there is a call to holiness. That's another sermon for another day. Yes, we're called to live a sanctified life. Yes, there are things that we need to say no to. Absolutely. But we come as we are. Surrendered. God knows, as we heard earlier, God knows all that we are. So who are we, who am I, to put up barriers? Well, you can come when. The one thing is a surrender to Jesus Christ, recognizing I am a sinner. I've sinned, I've rebelled against you. Lord, forgive me. And he receives us. So we need to be careful of barriers of legalism. The other thing... Just the other side of the coin, you may not have thought of this, we can live selfish, materialistic, immoral ways of life, so much so that people can look at us and say, if that's Christianity, you can keep it. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we're frightened, particularly in the day and age that we live, the political correctness and all the other issues, we can, we can water down who we are. Do you know, I believe people don't want us to water down who we are. They want us to be who we believe we are. They want us to be Bible people. They may not like it, but they say, if you're a Bible person, be a Bible person. And actually, there's something about that. That's another whole subject as well. (laughs) There are many other things that spring off from this. But I believe we are called to be different. And actually, we can put up a barrier by not being different. There's something to think about. God's heart, God's door is open. We need to display that. Secondly, we must not, therefore, put a limit on our witness. What do I mean by that? We need to be aware of saying to ourselves, I'll share my faith with this one, but not with that one. Now, if no one else knows that, I know that. 
I, yeah, I'm happy to go towards that person, but I'm not sure that person really deserves the gospel. Am I just the only one who feels like that? Well, look, at, look at who they are. Look at their lifestyle. So I'm prepared, I'm prepared to go to this nation. I'm prepared to go to that people group, but, but not that nation or that, that people group because they don't deserve it or they're not the right kind of person. We can put limits on our witness. Can I just say to myself and then to you, what if Christ had done that for you? I'm not dying for him. Look at his lifestyle. I'm not laying my life down for her. Do you know what she spends her money on? Is that how he was? Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrated his love for us like this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were dead. There was nothing, no life in us. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to go to him because look, there's a bit of holiness, there's a bit of goodness. He helped that old lady over the road. No. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's door is open to all his witness. Uh, um, And as his witnesses, he's commissioned us to go and to reach the nations. We have a wonderful message to tell. We love that message. It has brought joy to our hearts. It's for everyone. So, nothing can separate us from the love and salvation that the Father holds out to us. The door to God's house is open to everyone, so we should be that way also. We must not put a limit on our witness. Thirdly, understanding and grasping God's heart for diversity will mobilize us. If we've understood it, it will begin to mobilize us. It will mobilize us to complete the great commission that we've already mentioned of making disciples of all nations, of seeing that beautiful picture. I haven't had time today to go to Revelation chapter 5. But that every tribe and tongue and people group, the word there, ethne, means every language, every group, standing before the throne. Did you know you're in the Bible? John saw you. As he looked at that vision, he saw this vast crowd that no one could count. You were there, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. John saw you. You're actually in the Bible. Did you know that? You're there. So we get motivated. We get mobilized as we begin to grasp this great value of God's heart for diversity. It's why we have called ourselves in many ways a family of churches and regions beyond. Very conscious just being in the setting that we had the privilege of being in last week. You just couldn't help yourself but feel mobilized. You just couldn't help but feel like, oh, I just need to go. Who, where, where shall I go? Who should we go to? Don't worry. Don't panic. I'm not leaving in that sense. But I think it, it, it lifts you as you're among the nations. Right across the churches, you get story after story after story of individuals and churches working hard to reach out to those who are far from God's. Reaching out and going to those who are on the very edges and fringes of society. Whether that be the marginalized and dispossessed, suffering leprosy on the, heart, uh, on the streets of Mumbai. Or the cattle herders high up in the, the mountains of Lesotho. 
The distant and the far off of the 2,000 inhabited islands of the Philippines is actually 7,000 islands. Or the favelas of Rio de Janeiro. These are all places that we're going as a family of churches. The townships and the villages of southern Africa, Burundi, Democratic Republic of Congo, Uttar Pradesh in northern India. Go and look up Uttar Pradesh. Vast area, poverty-stricken. Seven churches as part of our family of churches there now being planted and many, many more. The poorest of the poor. The broken and addicted. Those battling with addictions and mental health challenges in cities like London and Hull and, and other places. Church planting in China, Malaysia, Saudi Arabia, or Littlehampton. These are all things we're involved in. They're all things that we're part of. I believe God has called us as a church. We're doing so that we might display the heart of God, that they too might know the joy of knowing that not only does God know their name, but there is a place they can be at home with the Father, with their Creator, that their name is written in His house permanently. Just as I finish in prayer, I've just almost gone over time really, but let me finish with prayer and let me finish with these reflect, this last reflection. And if you remember, as I read that value at the beginning, it says we're working hard. I want to say this, I say it to myself before anyone else. The fourth point I want to make is that working hard begins with me and with you. If we're going to grow in diversity, we need to realize it's a journey. It can't be achieved instantaneously. However, each of us needs to constantly search our hearts and intentionally seek to root out walls of prejudice, walls that separate us from one another and actively embrace the diverse backgrounds and lives of one another. I know I need personally to keep challenging my own attitudes, especially superiority. I think it's partly how I was brought up in the 60s and in a town like Winchester, which was my hometown, but a superiority. I'll give you an illustration. I'm not proud of this in any way at all, but it happened even this last week. We were walking along the gangway to uh, board the plane to come back, and uh, it was one of these gangways with lots of windows you could look out. And uh, as I looked out of the window, I saw, saw a man with a huge pipe. It was a fuel pipe, and he was filling our plane with fuel. He was getting ready to do that. And I want to tell you, immediately into my head jumped a question. Does he know what he's doing? Does he have the skills? I'm not at all sure. I'm a bit nervous. I want to tell you why that went straight into my head. It was because of his color and his size and ingrained attitudes in my heart. Jumped straight into my head because of what I saw him as. If he had been a different color, a different size, I wouldn't even have given it a second thought. Now, by God's grace, I recognized that quickly. I repented of it even as I walked down that gangway and I asked the Holy Spirit to change my heart. I recognize, as I'm sure you do, it is a continual battle. We do have to work hard. We 
we naturally tend to go towards those who are similar to us, whether in language, culture, education, interests, economic status. I want to say to you, that's not wrong. It's not wrong to go to those you naturally relate to. But if we truly grasp the gospel, it will change us. It will change our values. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, not only came, causes us to embrace diversity, but to celebrate diversity. To celebrate the differences in one another. To celebrate the fact that God is revealed in the difference in someone else. You need to know, brothers and sisters, we need each other. We need those of different nations and different backgrounds. We do. I am someone who will open the door to all the nations. Okay, If you don't like my political persuasion, well, we all have a, 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 a right to vote. So that's okay. But I want the doors open to everyone because we need everyone. Because it fills out the glory of God. It displays the glory of God. Now, I know I'm pressing some buttons right now and I've gone over time. But actually, if we find ourselves in a little tiny niche with people who are just like us, I want to say, God, help us. (laughs) Because we need one another. We need different backgrounds and stories. And we don't know some of the things. But as we get to build friendships and relationships We get to understand the things of God that we never would have known because of their experience, what they've gone through, who they are. My prayer is that God will increasingly build these things deeply into us as a church. But we will need to work at it. We'll need to be intentional to break down every kind of division. We will need to keep the doors wide open as possible. We'll not dismiss any that God sends to us or any that God lays on our heart to go towards. God is about a great work in the earth. It encompasses every tribe and nation and language of the world. As a family of churches, we have many promises about paying our part in that. So much in the world today, in society today, that divides us. I want to say, brothers and sisters, let's be determined. Let's work hard at letting the gospel transform our hearts. To break down every dividing wall of ethnicity, of language, of culture, of economic and educational background, of age and gender and status. That we might truly become One new humanity in Christ. Can I invite you to stand? Ephesians 2.19 that we just read. Jesus said we have become members of God's household. God's family. Holy Spirit, just ask right now, even as we leave. Just believe that you're pressing buttons in us. You're speaking to us today. Would you speak to us about this family life? Do you speak to us about those who we, who we don't like to go across the room to, that we don't like to connect to? Lord, would you speak to me about this? Would you challenge me and help me in this? That we might be those members of God's household. Speak to us, Lord, about how we treat and behave towards one another. Lord, would you teach us by your Holy Spirit how to live out the great truth of the gospel and to embrace the diversity of those all around us.
Lord, if there are dividing walls within my life, within our lives, of class, of gender, of, of age, Lord, if there are stumbling blocks that I'm putting up, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, would you help me to tear them down? Tear them down. Lord, as a church, I pray that we would not just be a friendly, welcoming smile, but we would be a people who receive and, and build in and build together and, and grow to become this glorious temple for your glory, for your name's sake. Lord, Heavenly Father, just pray, would you put your finger on any fears, any barriers that we have? Come and soften us. Lord, if we need to forgive, help us to forgive. If we need forgiveness, help us to come to you or to others and ask for it. Holy Spirit, thank you. I believe you're at work today. I believe that you're building your church. Lord, we just give you this, this great value. May it have a, a deep impact upon us as a church, upon this town this, and this island and nation. Lord, for your glory we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.